welcome to Recess Tonight. I'm Rob. This is Alan. So, buddy, we're back at this again, and we're getting to continue because we got a new sponsor. Your mom sent us $6 in the mail. No reason for it. No note, just 6 bucks. Well, she actually put 6 bucks in one of the little red envelopes. What is, what is that? I don't get that. It's like uh, lucky money for the Chinese. Oh, oh, good deal. Well, that sounds like a reasonable thing. We're going to be lucky. We have money. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Right. That's our conflict of interest. My mom. <laughs> Your mom. Let's leave that alone. Okay. So uh, you want to talk about pressers today. Am I right? I do. I want to talk about pressers in specific patient populations that you will encounter. So you're going to talk about it in context of the eMERGE or your ICU world? All of the above. Okay. I, I think it's reasonable. I'm, I'm in. It's definitely an area that I need to work harder at and get better at. So I will listen to you this week. 45 second overview of receptors. Are so you're right? pointing at me like I'm doing this because I'm not. No, I, me. Oh, thank I'm goodness. Okay, go, go. Okay, 45 second review. Are you ready? And go. All right. So you got beta one receptors, which are found in the heart. And when, uh, when stimulated, cause increased inotropy, so positive inotropy, and uh, they cause, um, yes, that's uh, that's beta one. Beta two are uh, cause bronchodilation, typically found in the lungs. Alpha one receptors are found in the periphery and are usually used for vasoconstriction. So if they're stimulated, vasoconstriction. Alpha two receptors do exist. They cause vasodilation. We won't chat about them today. But if you're interested, we can talk about that later. Is it above my pay grade? No, not at all. I just learned about them. Okay, cool. Then there are the outlayers, uh, like the V1, V2 receptor agonists, like uh, vasopressin. We'll we'll touch on that a little bit as well. But okay, I just wanted to give that physiological review of where the receptors are. Okay, that's good, because I've, I've never heard of V1, V2 receptors. I, I, honestly, I've never. I don't even know if you know your alphabet beyond the letter K, to be honest. So um, so there's a big distinction that's often uh, often wrong, or sorry, uh, this is a, something that you should know a uh, difference between, is that inotropic drugs and vasopressor drugs are actually two different things, okay? They're not synonymous. You can have some drugs that have both inotropy as well as vasopressor qualities like epinephrine, but there are some drugs that are completely uh, in their own category. For example, phenylephrine is strictly alpha-1. It will not give you inotropy or positive chronotropy. Chronotropy is like Higher heart rate. Okay. That cool? Totally with you. Yep. All right. So you have a patient that's 55 uh, years old. She's a lady with dyslipidemia as well as uh, chronic kidney disease and uh, non-insulin dependent diabetic. She has a STEMI. It's in her uh, right side. So she's got an inferior MI. That sucks. Okay. She's hypotensive. So the drug of choice is, and this is a multiple choice question for oh, you, Oh, I actually have to, okay, yeah, I'm in, okay. I'm in. Uh, so she's hypotensive. Your drug of choice to increase her blood pressure is A, dopamine, B, epinephrine, C, dobutamine, D, norepinephrine. Okay. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you choose, Rob, because you're wrong. <laughs> I, and I just want to talk. So in this case... This lady has cardiogenic shock. So it's a problem with the pump. 
So think about it. I want, I want our listeners and I want you to think about it this way. If the root problem is the pump and it ain't squeezing right, do you actually want to give alpha-1 vasopressors to this person? Because alpha-1 is just going to increase afterload, am I right? Primarily. Primarily. Yes. So that's not fixing any problems. That's just making shit worse here. Yes, because your boggy pump will have difficulty pumping against higher resistance. Comprende? Comprende. Okay, but we all have to be understand that it, everything's within a spectrum. There's no right or there's no wrong. It's always within a spectrum of where the patient wants to go. So back to this lady with a boggy heart, you want something to give her inotropy. So you want strong contractility. So you want to give positive inotropic drugs. So uh, your, your cocktail that you'll have at your disposal are dobutamine, fantastic drug for contractility. You can use milrinone, which is a great drug as well. It takes a little bit longer to come on, but works. Old too. Or alternatively, you can use dopamine or the classic epinephrine, which will give you everything. Okay, so uh, among those drugs to increase contractility, uh, you were looking for some, some drug to give you these beta-1 qualities. And those, those drugs that I mentioned there will give you that. So you have to use it, choose the correct drug for the, for the root receptor problem. Does that make sense? It makes tons of sense, yep. Okay. Now, let's give you another case here. Um, let's give you a 34-year-old uh, a female. Young. Got off the plane. Okay. Uh, collapsed. Hypotensive. CT shows... PE. Ma massive PE. Nailed it. Okay. So, what kind of shock? Well, it's more of a... It doesn't matter what kind of shock you think this is because it's obstructive. Because it, there is a big PE blocking the right side and that's why you can't get outflow. Okay, so it's a right-sided heart. So this is an obstructive cause. Okay, so uh, let's just say you go in there and you thrombolize and you you you, you uh, extract the PE out of the, the, the pulmonary artery. But now you're left with this boggy right side of the heart, right? So what do you want to use? Because it's a boggy pump. Yeah, well, I want to make it easier for that boggy pump to be able to push forward. Exactly, right? So you can use something like dobutamine to help you. It'll give you some inotropy to push forward. Or you could use something like milrinone, which is, has more effects on the right side of the heart. Uh, and also have some uh, pulmonary artery dilatory effects too. So it might dilate those blood vessels to allow easier pass for inotropy and for blood flow that way. Now the problem with these, uh, with dobutamine and milrinone is that it can actually cause hypotension as well. So you might need to add a bit of norepinephrine. And I know I just said that increasing afterload on a boggy pump is probably not a good idea. But remember, you're trying to titrate it and trying to find the right balance. So you're using some drugs to give you inotropy, to give you more squeeze. But on the other side, you might need to give a bit of afterload as a consequence of the inotropic drugs. That makes total sense so far. I'm, I'm with you. And by the way, I just want to point out, the plan was for me actually to guess what he was asking, not for him to act like the rock and say it didn't matter what I'm about to say. So just FYI. Oh, man. Okay. So another case here. 71-year-old male, uh, history of dementia, and um, has a tracheostomy and a peg tube, aspirates. Oh, dear. Goes into septic shock. Bad news. Yep, yep. All right, Rob. 
do uh so they're in septic shock what kind of shock is this i'm not responding to that question it is a distributive shock so the problem is likely related to uh the the massive inflammatory cascade causing vasodilation and peripheries yada 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 okay so in this circumstance you're looking to squeeze because it's the the root cause probably isn't the heart itself uh, so you don't need beta 1 and beta 2 you need alpha 1 because alpha 1 vasoconstricts so common drugs that you might use are norepinephrine or noradrenaline which has a lot of alpha 1 qualities with some minor beta 1 because again all these drugs don't work in isolation there's always a little bit of um, cross-pollination amongst receptors per se so uh, you just have to be leery of that like you, if you give noradrenaline you might have increase in heart rate too but it's typically minor in that circumstance so anyway they, uh, noradrenaline will cause uh, vasoconstriction uh, alternatively you can use phenylephrine Ooh. do you remember phenylephrine oh yeah tell me about the last time you used it oh uh it was during a pre-intubation guy had a crappy pressure and the game plan was just to increase in pressure so hopefully he didn't code during a tube yeah exactly right and then uh so and then People went from talking about using phenylephrine push doses, push bolus doses all the time. And then they kind of like fell by the wayside in the last couple of years. People aren't using it as much. And then there's this, this talk out there of saying it just makes numbers better, but it actually didn't do anything. In fact, I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that what the world has come to is that we just understand that using vasopressors and inotropes earlier um, just makes sense rather than trying to band-aid a problem later. Um, do you know of any papers out there? I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you know of any papers that address that phenylephrine component of what you just said and the fact that it's maybe it's just kind of band-aiding over? I don't because I, I don't. I, I haven't read a paper on that, but clinically it just makes sense. If you are truly concerned that your pre-intubation patient is going to go hypotensive, why would you give push doses of phenyl when they're hypotensive when you can just run low dose levo or low dose what have you and then not go hypotensive yeah you know it's interesting i'm just really glad you didn't say slam in three liters of fluid right because <laughs> it's not as if that fluid's gonna be super helpful for them in that little moment right. uh anyway um so let's go let's go back to our our septic patient though right that's that's the problem here so you talked about using norepi in this older fellow but there are other drugs that are out there too right i mean we were talking about the vast trial um, just before this started. So how does that come into play? Yeah, the VAST trial was a good uh, RCT that was published. I think it was in the New England Journal back in 08. It was uh, in NGEM and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was in 2008. 2008. Yeah. Anyway, what By they... Russell. Russell was the author on that one. Right. And we'll have it in the show notes. But essentially what they did was they randomized some septic shock patients to just Levo alone or noradrenaline on, the, on their own or Levo plus vasopressin. And what they found... Uh, was that um, patients that were that had vasopressin added onto their norepinephrine um, in septic shock tended to require less amounts of norepinephrine infusion. But I don't think they actually changed the all-cause mortality at 30 days anyway. No, it, it, it didn't. And, and realistically, it just it's not super strong evidence, right? And and so more uh, more look needs to be done into that. But it is an interesting thing to to kind of look at, right? That there isn't a massive difference in those two groups. Mm -hmm. So um, if you haven't used vasopressin before, essentially what it does is it acts on the V1 receptors in your body and it just retains water. 
So that's why you have better blood pressure, essentially. So I added that with um, vasoconstriction, you get a great uh, SVR, essentially. Reasonable. Um, so, so that's where you might see vasopressin. It actually used to live in ACLS, like back in 2010. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it did. even earlier than that. Yeah, I remember giving it. Um, as an option, it was like an either or, right? Mm -hmm. like, oh, your first dose can be vasopressin if you want it to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, moving along uh, with vasopressors and inotropes. So uh, we know that inotropes work on inotropy, which is contractility. And we know that vasopressors work on vascular resistance, two separate processes, but they may cross-pollinate. You may need to use uh, both here and there. I just want to talk a little bit about epinephrine. Okay. Epinephrine gets a little bit of a bad rap, eh? Oh, it totally does. People often refer to epi as like, oh, we got a dirty epi drip going there. Yeah, totally. Um, so for those resuscitationists out there unfamiliar with a dirty epi, uh, I just want to clarify that is not Robert's weekend nickname. Wow. It is uh, the name of uh, an infusion that you can do where you take a one liter bag of normal saline and you take the crash cart epi, which is in that box, one to 10,000, I think, or it's like a mill or something. You just crack that bad boy open and you inject all of that uh, that syringe into the the, norepin the normal saline bag. You shake it up and there is your infusion. Don't knock it till you try, man. It works really well, especially pre-hospital. Like if that's if that's all your service or your, I don't know what people, are, what people call ambulance places, but service company i don't know uh if that's all that you have you don't have norepi you don't have dibutamine and dope you don't have other options it works well when you need when you need all the effects all at once uh rob i i agree i think clinically you can see the the numbers get better but i'm skeptical mm. of what the actual patient oriented outcomes are like do they actually get better or do we cause more harm by not being able to have something that's super titratable. Because this is meant to literally spike and hang by gravity and say, oh, they're still hypotensive. Loosen the clamp a bit. Oh, the, the, the blood pressure is better. And then slow it down a bit. But okay, just I'm gonna challenge you on this. So, but the, the conversation we had before was about starting early pressers does have, we're starting to see evidence gather that starting early pressers has benefit. So what's earlier than starting those types of pressers in the pre-hospital setting when you're picking up someone from the roadside or from someone's house who's very, very uh, ill from their raging sepsis. I mean, come on. I don't disagree with come you. Come at me, bro. Come at me. It doesn't matter what you think. But I don't disagree with you, Rob. I do not disagree with you. And the recent sensor trial that was published in 2018 found that early dose uh, norepinephrine in septic shock actually improved or reduced patient mortality. It wasn't, there were some flaws to the study and whatnot, but um, the bottom line was that it actually says it saved lives. I mean, does it really surprise you? Like perfuse your organs, don't die. Without a doubt. And and by the way, Rebel EM has a, has a pretty killer breakdown of the sensor trial. Uh, they did it uh, earlier this year, actually. Yeah, so it's uh, February 28th, but we'll, we'll post that puppy as well in the show notes. Uh, Ruben Strayer also, he's an eMERGE doc out in, I think, Brooklyn. He uh, had a conversation with uh, Scott Weingart about um, uh, the dirty epi infusion at SMAC in 
Germany uh, about three years ago or two years ago now. Anyway, it was a good conversation about that. But that's another option just to know that that's out there is that there is a dirty epi drip. There are some sites as well that use push dose epi or push dose vasopressors. Or as Scott Weingart would say, push dose I know pressors if you're using epinephrine. So breaking it down, basically uh, what it means is that they will actually uh, take epinephrine, inject one mil into a 10 cc syringe, and then they will get whatever aliquot or doses of epinephrine of they'll have, and they'll actually push it like phenylephrine for hypotension. And uh, Scott calls it the um, push dose inopressor because it's the epinephrine, which acts on both alpha and beta. So it kind of cross pollinates. It gives you contractility, so it gives you inotropy, as well as vasopressor quality because it, it tightens the blood vessels as well. Alan at present right now is putting his hands around the outside of a left ventricle and squeezing it and then putting his hands to the other side of his body and squeezing a pipe like he's squeezing someone's vessels. It's super cute that he thinks that that's going to go through to the show notes. <laughs> um, you're lucky that you haven't been slapped yet. <laughs> the day is early. So the reason why we're the, that we want to talk about vasopressors, or I want to talk about vasopressors and inotropes today, was that don't just go straight for the one drug that you think will do uh, everything, which commonly is the, the one that we'll reach for, just based on the amount of times you use, is norepinephrine. You need to actually be predicting or anticipating the right drug that's going to be used. So if it's a boggy pump, it's a decreased contractility problem, you want to add inotropy. You want to add something that'll squeeze. Um, if it's a problem with the blood vessels and it's vasodilation or vasoplegia, you want to give something that'll actually tighten the blood vessels. Um, sure, down the road in ICU, you might need to tighten the blood vessels as well as give inotropy because the shock is so bad that all of their, all of their organs are starting to fail and they go into mods. That's down the road. Uh, in the resuscitation phase, typically you want to give the right drug for what you what you have at hand. Um, uh, so that, that that's the reason why we, uh, I really wanted to talk about that is predicting what type of drug you want. And a common one that you often see uh, that people are very uncomfortable with, and you'll you'll hear the collective butt cheek slap, is when you have someone in neurogenic shock from a spinal cord injury. Ooh, so, okay, so, I'm already worried. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll talk about spines at a later date because that's my nerd uh, gasm. But if you've got someone with a high uh, C-spine or a high T-spine injury that has vasoplegia as well as negative uh, chronotropy, so uh, decreased heart rate, you want to get something that will give you positive inotropy. So squeeze it more, squeeze the heart more. And you also want to get the positive chronotropy. So make the heart rate go up. So you might see drugs like epi come into play or um, isoproteinol down the road. But anyway, that's a, that's a discussion for later on down the road. What I really want to hammer home is anticipate the drug or the, the inotrope or the vasopressor for the specific case in hand. So to, for me, what I'm hearing you say is it, making sure you're actually using it for the cause, which is almost the exact same as a quick talk you and I did about use the right anti-emetic for the job. Just maybe really make sure you're doing it right with, uh, with pressors versus anti-emetics. Right. And the one thing that'll save everybody's bacon is don't mix the drugs when you desperately need it. Have it ready. And this goes for everywhere. This is why... Uh, understanding the mechanism of which of the shock 
will be able to help you understand what to anticipate. So if it's a STEMI and they're hypotensive, they're not going to respond to levo as well as they would to septic shock. They want inotropy. If you have septic shock and you give them inotropy, that's probably not going to fix their problem. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it does. Yeah, yeah. Give, give, give them what they, what they want. Give them what they need, right? Don't just give them what you think they should have. One myth I need to debunk. Okay. Vasopressors uh, can safely go through a peripheral line. So they studied peripheral infusions of norepinephrine in a regular peripheral IV in the ACF. And there were no, I can't remember the exact details, but what they said is essentially the authors concluded that it's safe. It's relatively safe. So long as you actually check the IV site. And to be honest, you should be checking the IV site anyway. Let's be frank. Like you should, if your patient's getting a vasopressor, you should probably be checking them anyway. I really hope so. <laughs> so, uh, so you do not need a central line. It is, it is not a contra, uh, it is not an absolute contraindication to infuse uh, 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 norepinephrine through a central, uh, through a peripheral line. It is safe to do it. You should be doing it. If you're, you, you should not wait for a central line. You should not wait for um for someone to come down there at four in the morning uh to uh, to insert your central line for you. you just need to actually just start it like i i it's 2019 we shouldn't be talking about that anymore but there's just something that i needed to debunk was that myth that norepinephrine can't go through a purple line i just have to say that do you do you feel as though a weight has been lifted off your shoulders you got to ha- you got to rant about that don't even get me started on md aware again okay so I think that covers the the vasopressors that I want to talk about. Do you have any questions? I have zero questions at this point. Uh, but no, that was that was really good uh, and a good good overview of, of reasons why and, and when we should use them. So I'm I'm super happy. Um, we've got a ton of show notes to throw in there. So you just increased my workload for this afternoon. So that's sweet. Um, anything else you want to close on? Or are you are you feeling good? Um. I think just reviewing what drugs do what for each receptor, I think is okay. So if we go back to beta one and alpha one, which are primarily the receptors that we'll be dealing with uh, per se, um, norepinephrine will cause vasoconstriction. So it acts on the alpha one receptors primarily. So you'll get vasoconstriction. Um, Dobutamine will work on beta one. So it'll give you positive inotropy. So more contractility, but it'll actually cause vasodilation as a side effect. That's why you'll commonly see dobutamine and levofed together. Remember what I was saying is you you need to treat the root cause of the problem, but then you need to find the little balance because you're adding something and you're changing the body's natural homeostasis with drugs. So you have to artificially support it through their illness or the resuscitation. Reasonable. Um, the third drug is epinephrine will act on beta-1, alpha-1, and beta-2. So it'll give you the whole gambit. So it'll give you more contractility. It'll give you vasoconstriction, and it'll also cause bronchodilation as well. Uh, and it'll give you positive uh, chronotropy. So it'll make your heart rate go up. So it's kind of like a good drug to save your bacon through everything there. It does cause hyperlactatemia. It does increase your serum lactate. And it's not because they are acidotic. It's because it acts on the beta-2 receptors, that, which cause a release 
a lactate. So that is clearly a totally separate podcast for you and I to rant essentially about that. I'm not going to open the world up for you. You look agitated. You're moving quickly. The pace of your voice is increased. There's pressure in your speech. It's, it's okay. <laughs> All right. So then the fourth one was phenylephrine. You can infuse phenylephrine like you can with noradrenaline. You don't actually need to just push phenylephrine. But the beauty of phenylephrine is that it is a straight up alpha-1 agonist, which will cause isolated vasoconstriction. It's very rare to get a drug that will just do that, which is kind of wild. Um, but because it acts solely on alpha-1 and it will increase your SVR, remember like the whole balancing, it will actually cause you to be bradycardic as well. So you may need to actually add a bit of um, chronotropic drug if you're giving high doses of phenyl. Which is kind of paradoxical, I know, but it's kind of trying to find that right balance. Um, and the la- actually, this is a bit of a coming from left field was dopamine. Oh, dope. Yep. Okay. Dope. Up with, hope. That, Up that. with hope, down with dope. <laughs> You're from, never mind. So, dopamine, uh, it is a mixed bag. It might have alpha 1 at certain uh, infusion, concent- uh, infusion rates, it might have beta 1 at certain infusion rates, it might have everything at all different rates, and it might make you pee. I don't know. Nobody knows. Basically, with dopamine, is it's a mixed bag. Uh, it's not favored anymore because of that. You don't know the effects. But where it's effective is in pre-hospital or in resource-limited settings where you only have one nurse, one doc, and you might just need to have a, a drug that will increase blood pressure. And you know the one thing about dopamine that kicks ass is you just open the bag and you spike it and you hang it. At least here it is. Yes, at least in Canada it is. Because otherwise, all the other drugs you typically have to mix and it takes time. Totally. Cool, buddy. Very nice. So I like it. Um, One thing I wanted to do before we leave, I want to give a shout out to a really good friend of both of ours uh, in Melbourne, Sarah Foster. We're a big fan and she's a lovely person. She is. She is. And she said she was actually listening and Sarah is not a medical person in the way we are. And she still is listening to us rant, which respect indeed what's up sarah okay cool um have a great lovely day night shift whatever you're in between doing here uh that's all from us at recess tonight and we will see you next time